to episode two of My Sweet George with Sid and the Princess. George Harrison often said that he thought the spirit of the Beatles actually went from the Beatles into the Monty Python crew. Right. Because he said they felt very quite alive. It was very edgy humour. It's actually well known when Monty Python came on, Harrison got an touch with the Monty Python crew because he thought it was the, some of the most funniest things he'd ever seen. They are some of the most bit... funny things anyone's seen. Yeah, but uh, Monty Python didn't exactly take off after its, like, you know, first airing, you know, first one or two. It took a little while to generate its own audience. He thought it was absolutely hilarious. That's another side story there, but the relationship between Harrison and the Pythons actually grew Eric Idle is well known for being a mate of his. I was just going to say, aren't George and weren't George and Eric Idle good pals? Didn't um, George Harrison stump up money for one of the movies, Sid? Yeah, uh, this is really, really interesting because when you're talking about the big uh, financial backers, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name, even though I didn't, I probably would know it any other time. They pulled out of it something farcical, like a week before they're about to get started. Oh, crikey. And you're thinking a week before you're about to get started, they're already in Tunisia. They're already ready to go kind of thing. And George believed in this project so much, uh, apparently he mortgaged his house because he just believed in it that much. Wow. And I said, uh, and I think it was actually onto something because I still remember that movie came out. There was a bit of whipped up hysteria that, you know, about it being blasphemous. But the first thing you do when you watch it, you realise it's not blasphemous at all. In fact, um, subsequent interviews, they said they couldn't actually have like a comedy about like Jesus Christ or similar type of figure because of some of the things that he actually is reported to have said and done. They're not really nasty type things. So it's very hard to have a go at that. But having a go at people who blindfully follow leaders was or people whom they believe is the Messiah rather blindly, is worthwhile to have a dig at, and that's where the humour lays. Yeah, yeah. Brian is continually mistaken to be the Messiah, no matter how much he says he is not. And his mum said he's just a very naughty boy. (laughs) And they keep following him. But, I mean, we are talking about, this is my view, that is the best Python movie. I know that we disagree a little bit on this one, but I think... That's where, as a narrative, it all fell together. I thought the humour was brilliant. I know that they started writing that, like, four years before it actually, you know, got onto the screen. There have um, been a lot of developments on those ideas. Yeah, I think I think in terms of their skill as movie makers, Life of Brian is peak Python. However, mm-hmm. my favourite Python movie is Holy Grail. And... It is Holy Grail is the movie I quote the most, um, generally because I've got a teenage boy and we fart in our general direction um, mm. or fart in your general direction quite a bit. Um, 
but I just love everything in Holy Grail. That's my favourite one, especially the killer bunnies. My aim one day is to have killer bunny slippers. I think the thing is for you to say Holy Grail and for me to probably say Life of Brian, look, it's, it's nothing but a flesh wound. I think we can move on from there. Yeah. Notice <laughs> neither of us is saying meaning of life. <laughs> no, that had its moments. It had its but moments, but it wasn't cohesive. No, it wasn't. I do like the universe song, even though we all know it's wrong. We've all <laughs> seen the bit with Brian, what's his face, saying it's wrong and Stephen Hawking knocking him off the path because it's just a song, get over it. And where they really lost me was with Mr Creosote, the vomiting yeah. man, and mm-hmm. the um, topless girls chasing someone off a cliff. And it's just like, and, why? And Did it move the story the, along? No. And then you've got the scene where they look at uh, fighting each other, where they'll sit in the World War One trenches. Yeah. And that scene is extraordinarily cleverly written. That seemed like the part that whatever was happening, they got back to their old formula. It really worked. Mm. That scene was just brilliant. Whatever it was, five minutes worth of Python, the one in the trenches. Yeah. Well, as you, as you say, The Meaning of Life has brilliant moments. Um, mm. Life of Brian and The Holy Grail are brilliant films. Yeah. And there's a big, big difference. However, aren't we talking about George or are we just going to be a bit fluid yeah. with this? But the thing is it's not unfair to talk about Python and George because no. they were uh, George interlinked. was a huge supporter. They were very interlinked and, as we established, he helped to fund probably one of their better-known movies. That's probably a good way of putting it. I think and it was their most commercially successful too. That I probably have to check. It's It's a weird one to check because of how it was actually banned in some places. And ironically, banning a film is the best way uh, to promote it, I've seen. But to, <laughs> what it, to what extent it was banned, who knows? But handmade films, have a look at some of the British films in the 1980s. Anything with handmade is George Harrison. Well, that's how um, I know he worked with Bob Hoskins on a few films. Um, um, Mona Lisa was one of them. But there's mm. a couple of well-known British films before I think he sold up shop maybe about 10 years afterwards. But, yeah, some of the better British ones that you'll know from the uh, 80s has a George Harrison touch to it. Well, let's have a look. Yeah. We've got The Life of Brian, sense yep. of, A Sense of Freedom. I don't know that one. Mm-hmm. The Long Good Friday, Time Bandits, which is Terry Gilliam, so that's Python, yep. Tattoo, Venom. The Burning, oh, Monty Python, Live at the Hollywood Bowl, Scrubbers, The Missionary, Privates on Parade, Bullshot, A Private Function, Water, Mona Lisa, Shanghai Surprise, With Nail and I, Bellman and True, The Lonely Passion of Judith Hearn, Track 29, Five Corners, The Raggedy Rawney, Checking Out, How to Get Ahead in Advertising, Pow Wow Highway, Cold Dog Soup, Nuns on the Run. Oh, well, that's Eric Idle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Wrong Guy, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So there we go. Oh, Planet 51. With, with and Nail and I, I thought, yeah, yeah. Thought he was behind that one. Yes, he still was. It just says New Ownership 1994. So 
there you go. There you go. Much more stuff, much more involved in films than I thought. I think we can't forget that um, we've been looking at things now that we have Live Aid, which we think was actually the big concert to raise awareness Mm. for a very good cause. But I think in the modern era, I would actually say that George Harrison was one of the first to do that. With concert the con- of Bangladesh. Concert of Bangladesh. Uh, you can still buy the album for that. Concert for Bangladesh also has Pete Ham playing a lot in that one. Who you're probably going, who is Pete Ham? Remember Apple Records? Yes, I do. The Beatles put together. Okay, Pete Ham was in the band that the the Beatles Apple Records are the first band that they signed. Right. And that was called Badfinger. And you're probably going, hmm, okay. You can see my quizzical look because I'm thinking that's ringing a bell. Now, Badfinger have probably their best-known song for a long time end up being covered by two other people, but they originally wrote Without You which Mariah Carey did her own version of. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Harry Nilsson did it too. And Harry Nilsson made it uh, quite famous at the time, but they've done it originally, and I actually like their version is actually a lot more subtler than the other two versions. I really do like it. Mm. But the other way that they their music became famous quite recently is right the very, very last episode of Breaking Bad, they start playing Baby Blue, which is one of their songs. So on stage... Well, as in It's All Over Now, Baby Blue? No, Baby Blue is an original song from them, but they actually played it on the very last uh, part of Breaking Bad. Right. Okay, so when people listen to it go, what's that song? It's really catchy because that band could really rock in its day. That's a, it's, they've got their own very, very sad story if anyone looks it up where I'm talking and I'm seriously, two of the band members suicided. So it's a very sad story, that one. But uh, that was the classic thing about they left Apple Music and then got shafted well and truly by their American uh, manager. Probably oh, yeah. from about 1969 to about 1972, 73. Yeah. They had some killer albums. And then when people listen to them, the first reaction is, why are they bigger? Why are they extremely well known that they were very good musos? They could yeah. really put together a song very nicely. Well, uh, they got completely shafted by their uh, American manager because they did leave Apple Records and got shafted. And, like, the sad aspect of their story was that, yeah, um, two of their band members committed suicide as well. So Golly. I don't know why history has kind of forgotten them because they've got a couple of extraordinarily strong albums that stand up very well today. So, But the point is they were the first band signed onto the Apple label that the Beatles universally thought they were strong enough uh, to be on there. So half the members were from Liverpool, half of them were Welsh. Uh, you've already heard, like, one of their songs. They've got very, very strong uh, catalogue at the time. And Pete Ham, who bit bit of a multi-instrumentalist, he would play guitar, he would play the piano. He's often on stage there with George Harrison during that concert. And you probably, I think, when you see My Sweet Lord, you'll see him up there as well because people say, who's that other bloke? That's Pete Ham from Badfinger. Stop. Stop. Yep. He is a member of the 27 Club. 
Correct. I knew that. Oh, yeah. well, I did. Yeah, and five days later, he would not have been. Oh, really? He really cut it short. He really cut really it cut fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> he really cut it fine, so to speak. Let's hope he didn't yeah. cut himself. No, he hanged himself. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, you've read That's that. That's sad. I'm just looking it up now. But uh, So sad. But Harrison wanted him on board for the concert because he appreciated his musicianship as well. Yeah. What's what's also interesting is when you look at that concert, you see a very absolutely doped out of his brain, Eric Clapton. Um. And Eric Clapton has actually looked at that video and said that, uh, you know, when he picked up his guitar and played one of his solos and stuff like that, his first criticism, he said, you know, I played the notes right, but I saw off my face, I played it on the wrong guitar. <laughs> and you see how these people keep coming back. I mean, this guy seems like a like a facilitator for a number of uh, like people. And, and he then, has his own set of friends and own set of influences. George doesn't follow Paul and John and Ringo around. Paul goes his own way. And he sort of always has. When you're looking at the eclectic views and likes and interests another one was george really liked fast cars he liked motor racing yeah and uh he actually had a lot of mates in that area now i'm talking like formula one level the all things must pass actually gives you a clue to one of his other interests You, you remember the cover how unassuming it is no he's surrounded by gnomes he was an avid gardener well, so is Keith Richards. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think to the degree in which George Harrison was. No, well, as Keith said, he always grew his own weed. He just never got to harvest it because they would be moving on by then. They'd be in a different country touring. Someone else would always get it. But since he's settled down a lot with Paddy, he gardens. Yeah, um, he's got a. I've seen his garden in, um, you know, on telly, but I'm talking George about George Keats. Harrison. <laughs> George or Keats. Keats, I've seen, but George's ga- um, garden was absolutely extravagant because he lived on a property that um, he could turn this into a work of art. And that's often wow. what he liked to do with his garden. It was just on another level where um, he would sometimes. This is the story where he would bring in, um, like, uh, heavy equipment to move a tree over, like, 20 metres because he believed it sat better there. Oh, it was probably something to do with his mysticism and his um, Eastern beliefs and things too. Look, maybe, but he was always apparently fiddling around in the garden trying to just to make things work, so... You'll actually see references to that, and you can get the idea of the diversity um, of some of his interests. And we're probably still only scratching the surface. surface, Yeah, but I don't think we can let this go past without at least paying a nod to the travelling Wilburys. Ah, the travelling Dilburys. Not not a fan. I don't mind them. I don't mind them. And um, Tom, I read a Tom Petty quote. Mm. Only in the last week or so, where he said it was really good because nobody was the lead singer, no one was the focus, True. the sole focus, and they he said he really enjoyed it, and I can imagine that 
the others would have liked that too because, you know, big stars. I thought it was a great collaboration. And, um, yeah, The End of the Line, I like that song. Well, Handle With Care was probably the first known song of their collaboration. Yeah. Uh, Features, I think, the last film clip that they did with uh, Roy Orbison. Yes, that's right. Who passed away shortly after. So they did all the recordings, one film clip. His voice adds something to it. And then you think about the names just in terms of, like, getting people together, hey, let's just create a group and we'll do it in such a way where no one's like the leader. So Dylan's in there. Mm. Lynn from ELO's there. Yeah. Um, Tom Petty, whom you've just mentioned. Mm, Tom Petty. And then, um, you know, George, of course, and for the life of me, I've probably forgotten someone there and I'm going to kick myself. Tom Petty, George Harrison, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynne. Okay, so we did cover all of them. Yeah, and Darnie Harrison has played with them as well. And your two of them are still going. Yeah. Sad, and isn't it? Two of the Wilburys are still going. Just having a look at that photo with Tom Petty a few years back. We know about George, obviously. That's the focus of our chat right now. Yeah. Uh, more than 20 years ago. Yeah. It's it's just amazing to think that it's 20 years since George died. There was a relationship between when he had the intruder who stabbed him and his declining health. I know it was cancer, but I always wondered, was there a relationship? Plus the fact George had been known as being a smoker for a lot of his life too. Mm. I think smoke would be more likely because it was lung cancer, wasn't it, that he had? I think so, but, I mean, it was very bad. I mean, there's a film clip from 1979. I think the, the song is called Sail Away or Blow Away. I just always muck up the names of his songs. And there's a funny part of the song where he smiles in front of camera in his own cheeky way. And I always remember this as a kid. That was a teeth from someone who used to smoke. Yes, yes, he had yeah. smoker's teeth. I'm just looking up about George's stabbing. That happened in 1999. So that's only two years before he died. So he may have been suffering from the cancer then. Um, Olivia was attacked too. Uh, I can't help thinking that would have accelerated things. Do you know what I mean? Someone broke into their home one night. Mm-hmm. He went to investigate the noise while his wife called the police, spotted the intruder. He, George tried to reason with him. George tried throwing himself onto the intruder as he ran up the stairs. However, he had a knife and stabbed George multiple times in the chest and then attacked Olivia when she was trying to get the intruder off George. The quote from Eric Clapton said, George was still very disturbed from the stabbing and didn't seem to know where to go with his life. I think it would. I think you'd see your own uh, mortality. Uh, I think it would become very crystal clear in a moment like that. An aide of Harrison said, it changed him. We all felt that and we were sure that's why the cancer came back. He, he'd been looking so well, but after the attack, he didn't have the strength left to fight. So there we go. Mm. So I was right according to what you've read. There was yeah, the yeah. And Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones in an interview said that he had spoken to Ringo and Ringo said um, about a month after George was stabbed, He said George was stabbed about 40 times. It happened outside his Mm. bedroom on the landing. 
He would have been dead if he'd been lying in his bed. He wouldn't have been able to fight. So there we go. And um, the intruder was found not guilty on the grounds of temporary insanity. And he um, was yeah, released. About that. Yeah. He was released almost a year after George died. Oh my goodness. It's just so much sadness in this world. So much sadness. Anyway. Look, uh, his farewell concert or tribute concert is probably a better way of putting it. I own the CD. I own the DVD. I just think it's just magnificent get-together of musos who loved him, but also the treatment of the music. So it was led by Eric Clapton. Right. You get various guest uh, artists coming in at various points. It starts off a lot of sitar work, which again added to the, the quality of it. Then it's the more kind of modern Western music in the second half. And um, I think there's a couple songs that I think with Eric Clapton's treatment just added a whole new feel to it that I think George had it and he just took it to another level. And I'm, I always think every time I listen to that, uh, again, it's from... Um, all things must pass, but I challenge anyone to listen to the song "Beware of Darkness" and the version that Eric Clapton does during that concert. There's a kind of like humanity and emotion and a warning that that song is about. That he just gives it that extra level. It's just something beautiful. The words speak for themselves, but watch for the bridge part, and you'll actually see exactly what a you know uh, what we mean by that. They do their version of All Things Must Pass, which has, you know, meaning on another level because it's clearly All Things Must Pass. It's one year after George has passed away. And um, that was actually sung by Paul, you know, All Things Must Pass. And it's it just really weird. It just had a strange meaning, like, you know... Uh, You know, just something like, you know, sunrise doesn't last all morning, a cloudburst doesn't last all day. Seems my love is up and has left you with no warning. It's not always going to be this grey. And it just uh, just that acknowledgement of like, okay, sometimes you've got to let go, but it's not that bad. It just seemed to resonate and have a meaning of its own. I think it was one of the best touching tribute concerts I've seen in a long, long time. He, he was a quiet one. He was a, he was still famous and he still was a creative person, but George sort of flew under the radar a bit, even though he was in one of the mega bands of the 80s in the travelling Dilberries. He still flew under the radar. He was very good at that. You didn't see him out at nightclubs and things. You didn't see, not in our lifetime anyway. Well, you didn't see him on the news. No, we didn't. Clubs. Um, different era, probably was a naughty boy too, you can imagine, you know, it's the age. Mm. But, um, yeah, what you've got is someone who is willing to share their inner space, their inner workings, their inner dialogue with you, their inner journey. You don't often get that. Really? Yeah, I don't think you get it with such level of... But did George really share all that with us? I think he didn't share 100%, but I'm talking about his... His inner space, what he was thinking, the way he saw the world, the way things oh, were yeah. shaped. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the way he was able to articulate it also made it quite unique from a point of view of popular music. 
you know, we've got some songs that talk about like the inner like emotional landscape, but he was looking at the landscape more broadly than just emotional. Yes, he did. When you're looking at what's inward and what makes up a person. Yes. Yes. No, he was a remarkable artist in his own right. He was a member of the biggest band of all time, arguably, Um, and he was a member of one of the mega conglomerations of the 80s. I mean, what more could you want in life? That's a lot achieved. I don't know if he thought that way, but that was a lot achieved. There's an awful lot packed into the 58 years he spent on this earth. Without a doubt. Without Without a a doubt. I think that's almost a time where we say all things must pass for this uh, topic. I think I think we've exhausted George, don't you? Yeah, we're not going to bring him back, are we? No, no, not after twenty years. But in a way, no. But in a way, we have because the only thing that you have, in some ways, is a legacy. Twenty odd years down the track, and people are still talking about him. But it's not just his songs. That's right. What his song means, and we didn't really get into like uh, how they have impacted us at times. They've impacted me. That might be another day, but that's a brilliant legacy. Valet George Harrison. Listener, I hope you enjoyed indulging us on our combined love of talking about George Harrison. I think the two of us feel like we've just scratched the surface. And hope you don't mind that it may seem like a private chat, but yes, Lister, we were keeping you in mind the whole time. So this is uh, both the Princess and Sid from the podcast with no name. And if you wanted to complain, or even if you wanted to actually get some of the other members back, how do they contact us, Princess? Dear listener, if you would like to contact a member or members of the podcast with no name, or if you've got a suggestion for a podcast topic, or if you have any other comments to make, you can email us at podnoname at gmail.com or otherwise you can find us on Facebook at at podnoname. And we produce some of the best quality podcasts going around in, well, at least Western Sydney, Southwest Sydney. Oh, look... (laughs) I don't know that we even achieve that, Sid, but we entertain each other if no one else. I've got to admit it's the best-known podcast in my street. Well, yes. What yes, about your I... cul-de-sac? Is the best-known um, podcast in your cul-de-sac? I think I could say that, yes. I think I could pretty yeah. safely say that. It's the best-known podcast or the most frequently recorded podcast in my cul-de-sac. Um, We hope to have some more members of the podcast with no name back with you next time, dear listener. The poor buggers, everyone, now that society is all open again and there's no more lockdowns, um, our podcasters are off frantically living their lives. It's just that Sid and I appear to have no life at the moment. And we're still counting votes. Are they? Well, there you go. And Well, the pod no name political party actually managed to get seven votes in one seat. Seven we votes. To, we needed to recount it just to make sure that was accurate. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, That's dear listeners. That's a seat in Tasmania. Exactly. Dear listeners, some of, our pod, some of your podcasters at the podcast with no name are self-employed, so they had a lot.
so they need to recoup money as I'm sure you and many other people out there do. Um, We just hope that they will be back with us soon and we send love and best wishes to them and we send best wishes to you, dear listener. I think the most important thing we've got to say, Princess, is to our other podcast members, stop your lame-ass excuses, get your ass near the microphone. You know, our listener needs to hear from you. They're starting to get bored of us. Time to pull your finger out. No more excuses. Let's do it. Yeah, otherwise it's... If if they don't come back, Sid, it's just going to be you and me choosing topics and um, nobody wants that. We forgot that bit. <laughs> uh, princess, you've got to write princess, and I've got to do the same because I'm going to keep calling you. F- yeah, well. I need this, I need this discipline. Oh, do you need? It's a pain in the bum. Just remember who I am. Uh, well. There you go, princess. I mean, if, if, if a unicorn Woody doesn't say princess, I don't know what does. It's got yeah, stars, it's got I've donuts. I've always known you. See, I've always known you. As, as not as not princess. So it takes me a little while to just get into that zone, and I could just think I needed something to look at. And when I think of you, see, I usually use the term princess as a slightly derogatory term, but I don't associate it as a pejorative derogative term when I'm talking to you. Oh, thank you, darling. You know, this room is such a shit tip. I think oh the- god I, this room is alex's room which i'll be kicked out of and probably could they're watching movies so it's cool the what next are they watching? Study room. i don't know that they, they were umming and erring when i last checked <laughs>